because a competition at the next level up is actually way easier because no one's doing what I just outlined at all. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S, to double three triple four and you'll get the free resource. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have Jason Troy, who's the author of best-selling book, Social Wealth, the how-to guide on building personal and professional relationships. He has sold more than 30,000 copies on Amazon and has been the number one in four business and self-help categories. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show and having me speak to your tribe. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you uh, start off by telling you, telling us about your background and how it really leads up to where you are now. So I started out going to law school and get my master's in communications, and I realized that I didn't really love to be a lawyer. I was in New York City doing interviews, and I asked people a final question, are you happy? And it was the question I could tell that people were not being truthful on. And it was the longest pause before they answered of any of the questions in in my interview in all 30 interviews I had. So I knew that there was something challenging at that point. I love technology. And so I went west to San Francisco and, you know, never looked back. And I got to work with some great CEOs. I got to work with Steve Jobs when he came back to Apple and Jerry Yang and Yahoo when Mark Cuban got acquired and and I worked at um, HP when Mark Hurd was aboard and worked with him a few times and so it was a pretty fantastic ride and we just you know really social and extroverted individual and you know had a lot of business background and I decided to give coaching and dabbling and I had a friend in LA and just decided to team up with him and do some stuff on the side and then finally I was like after a couple years I'm never going to know if this is going to work unless I jump in with both feet. And I did and had a falling out with my business partner and, you know, was working on my book simultaneously and then just decided to go forward and never look back. Awesome. Do you share any numbers around your business today? Yes. I mean, right now my business is focused on most of my revenue is focused in through coaching. Um, in the fall, I'll be launching a product, and in you know coaching business, that's really where the big revenues are. So I have around fifteen clients, and the clients, um, it's actually growing pretty rapidly. So in a, probably another two to three weeks, his numbers will be different. But right now, it probably gives me around a you know a two hundred thousand dollar a year run rate, um, which I expect to change pretty dramatically actually, because one of the crazy things is. I'm asking my clients for referrals and I have a lot of C-level executives as clients and they're actually so ecstatic about it that I'm, you know, next couple of weeks I'll be talking more about them. So, uh, with them about it and 
that will actually help build my business without me actually having to do a lot of external marketing, which I'm doing anyway. So awesome. So tell us, I mean, you know, the, the book is, is really interesting to me. I mean, to, to be able to get number one and sell over 30,000 uh, copies. I mean, you know, how does that process look? And I know that's a loaded question. Right. So what I did was I worked a long time and really when I first started writing the book a couple years ago, I just did a podcast and I try to talk to some great people about relationships, mindset, success, failure, all these different topics. And before I even thought about the book, so it was a massive immersion process. And then I started, you know, coming up with a theme and started writing the book. And in the process of doing that, I spent a lot of time trying to understand marketing and finding some people who were up and coming people that really knew how to market on Amazon and really understood what, what to do on there. And, you know, I just invested in one person and I read a lot and talked to people. And that was really the key because, you know, I understood that the books, I read the books and realized that the one thing that they really didn't do was you couldn't really walk away and actually utilize the books. And it was more of a how to guide it. There really wasn't anything out there personally and professionally and really help people get behind the psychology of it that was nuts and bolts and it wasn't a lot of fluff in between. And so I was like, okay, well, I know there's a hole. I, I know that I can fill it. And, and I just started to you know, get the content. And then I was like, well, you have to have the right marketing tool because if you don't understand how to do the marketing part of it and all the dob, knobs and dials and levers, it's just not going to be successful. So, you know, when I combine both of those things, that's how it's really been successful. And, you know, it's, it's the great thing is it's continued to do well, you know, since I've launched it in September, which, you know, says I'm doing some things right here. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of room to grow as I build my own brand moving forward. Okay. So when you're launching a, a Amazon book, I mean, what do you need to do exactly to hit that number one mark to get over the hump where people kind of know you already? Like, what did you do to promote it in the beginning? Well, I think it's really critical to get reviews before the book launches. I mean, I have a lot of reviews from people. Um, so I found people, friends, family members, colleagues, mentors, and other people. And just, you know, I sent them the book and asked them to review it. It's very difficult because people don't want to take the time. But, you know, I wrote a pretty compelling letter and just asked them to do something short. Because at the end of the day, the length of the reviews don't really matter as much as them actually reviewing the book and giving it, you know, a five-star review or a really good review. That, that's what really matters the most. And when people are looking through the books... They're going to look at books that have great reviews. Now, if your book has crappy content, well, that's not going to help you because then people can see through it. So you have to actually have a substantial book. But my book isn't you know that long. It's like 130 pages. And you could write a good book that is going to do very well on Amazon that's 40 to 60 pages. I mean, I know because I've seen people doing it. And so that's part of the process. You've got to then pick up keywords and, you know, literally I just went through and picked keywords by typing them in Amazon and taking a look at that. And that's pretty critical. I looked at the title and put my title in and really tried to understand where the keywords in my title and how will it show up and what other books are around my book. Because when people are searching, that's going to come up. The other thing I looked at was you want to try to get start out on the free side. Um, and give your book away for free initially because then if you do some other marketing around it, like some Facebook ads, which I did very limited of, and I tried a bunch of other things, and the Facebook stuff actually worked a little bit better at that point to promote the free book. 
And you get, you can skyrocket your book, especially if you've got a lot of reviews and that really will help people download it. And then what happens is you need to then go to a paid version and start staggering it up. So I staggered it up at like 99 cents, then went to 2.99 and then 3.99 and then where I'm at now. And I did that like on a weekly basis. And um, I changed it over at 12 p.m. Pacific time because a lot of times what happens is people shift it over naturally at 12 a.m. Pacific time. Um, and the problem is there is no one's awake. So your book starts to dive in the rankings. And when you do it at noon, it really doesn't. So I found that that was like a really helpful thing um, in the process. You know, you also got to go out and try to get people to review. We can give it away to influencers. And I had some people influence and, and write on it and blog on it. I had my friends post it on their timeline. Um, you know, I had friends tweet it, put it on LinkedIn. I mean, you can enroll a lot of people, but you got to go over all the platforms and Instagram and Pinterest and Google plus, I mean, you promote it yourself, but you also then can have other people promoting it on top of it. Right. And I didn't really do any paid things outside of Facebook, um, to really promote it at that point. But I'm trying to think those were really a lot of the highlights at that point. Then an email list, obviously, and I promoted it to my email list. And, you know, when it's free or it's cheap, people are going to buy it. And that helps to get up on the rankings pretty quickly at that point. And then also you can get on like a hot new list if your book climbs up and that for the first 30 days, which makes a big difference in Amazon because people check that out. The other thing too is if your book gets enough ratings in different categories, off to the right on the ebook side of it, it'll say top rated books. And right now, if you look on the mentoring and coaching section um, on the business, I'm like the number three one book. So it stands out immediately when people are looking through there, no matter where your sales are in a category. So that's really important. Um, the other thing is to look at what categories you pick to put your book in is really, really, really critical. And my gauge of looking at it was you, if you looked at the first page and click on the last book on Amazon for the ebook side of it, you want to make sure that the last book is at least in the three to 4,000 range sales rank wise, because otherwise your book's going to get buried really quickly. Um, and that's not really helpful, right? But you also don't want a category that the bottom book on there is probably like 30,000 or 40,000, because then it means there's no traffic and no one's buying from that particular category, which then means you're not going to get much sales. So it's a little bit of a nuance and you have to play around with it. And there's nothing hard and fast. The other thing you can do is there's some categories in there and you have to play with this. Um, and there's some tools out there if you look that you can find it that, are, that can actually help you figure out how many books you need to sell per day to get in like a top ranking. And that's pretty helpful too. But you can go in some categories like I'm giving an example. I looked actually before this in like time management. It's pretty easy to get in the top 100 in time management. And what happens is then you can say I'm an Amazon bestseller. If your book is in the top 100 that's considered a bestseller so um those are probably some quick tips that people could utilize okay now when you when you asked for reviews uh, ahead of time um how many reviews did you get well i asked for probably i sent out i don't know 80 to 100 emails from people and i probably got about 40 45 reviews before the book officially launched and wow. then other you know and then other people reviewed it, and I sent out some influencers and other people, and I kept getting more and more of them coming in um, over the next week or so. So I have a, I had a lot, and you know I have like now 
125 five-star reviews and I have 136 total reviews. And I'm not, frankly, I'm not really working on the reviews anymore. Um, I all, you know, the other thing too, is I put it in the back of my book and so readers do review it and things of that nature, but most people are pretty lazy and they don't review it unless you really proactively ask for it. Um, I just have so many things going on in my business. I'm like, at this point, 125 five star reviews is good enough. I mean, yeah, I'd certainly like more and I would appreciate people to do it. And it's very, very helpful, but it's also a lot of work and energy to get people to do reviews. I mean, they resist and they resist and they resist. The other thing I did too was I created a video and I asked people to do a review and I told them why the reviews were so critical. That I told them that, like, you know, as an author who's on, you know, is self publishing, the reviews are like gold. I mean, whether if people don't review the book, this book will not be successful. So all the work I did will go down the drain and there's nothing I can do about it. So I really need your help. And I just basically, and it's the truth. I mean, you know, you have to have reviews because if you don't, you won't do very well. And it's a great, you know, and again, you have to have great content. So it's not like you can come out with some crappy book. You, you can, and you can promote it, and it will do well at some point, but you're going to have people writing some pretty negative comments and coming back and writing some negative reviews. And I've seen books out there where people are buying reviews and you can tell, and people have written comments in there about that, and that's really, really bad. And so, you know, that's the other thing. Don't buy reviews because um, it will come back and haunt you because Amazon, they have ways of, like, uncovering it over time. And secondarily, people who are reading them can tell, um, or other people will find it. And who knows how, but I've seen several books that are actually – got some pretty good reviews by people that are decently well-known that have, that have bought reviews, and it really looks bad. Got it. Okay. So, I mean, you know, looking at your conversion rate for reviews, 45% is pretty good. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's people that you know, I'm assuming. And But yeah. I'm really interested, I, you know, what, just for the audience to know, you know, people like templates and things like that. So what what did you send to them? What, what did the email look like? Well, it basically, you know, I sent, and I sent it through... Facebook email and I sent it through regular email because some people are really good at checking their regular email and some people are checking their Facebook email. Um, and I didn't know which one was what. And, you know, so I just did both of them as a tactical thing. Now, you know, I didn't, I pondered doing it on LinkedIn saying, sorry to email you on LinkedIn too, but I figured that's going to be good enough. One of the, you know, one of the two. And I basically just wrote them and saying, hello, you know, I made some comment and it was a pretty much cut and paste letter. I mean, maybe I personalized it slightly, but I'm trying to remember at the time I just said, hey, I'm coming out with a book that I've been working on for the past year. And, you know, here's a copy of the book. And I gave them a copy in a Kindle version and told them how to get the reader. I gave them a PDF of it as well that I PDFed. Um, And I just said, look, I really appreciate it. You know, if you could you know, go through the book. If you could, you know, write a short review. I said to him, you know, it can be one sentence long. It doesn't need to be any longer. The key thing is actually putting in the rating because that's what Amazon looks at more than anything else. And I, then I said to them, look, this book, the reviews will make or break my book. And I mean, it's, 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 I spent a lot of time writing it, but without you, it won't be successful. So I'd really appreciate you taking the time and helping it. And I said to someone who's a small fish trying to get a business started, like, this is a significant milestone for me. So, you know, blah, blah. And I said, if there's anything I can do to help you in any way, you know, don't hesitate to ask. And, you know, that's it. That's pretty much it. Now, I have a reputation of helping people. So me doing an ask 
when I never ask for anything also helps. But even in that instance, I always put at the end, you know, how can I serve you? How can I help you? What can I do for you? Right? Because that shows people that you get it and you're giving and, and you've got to be vulnerable and authentic and tell people the truth. Right? I mean, I think the more you are when you write things to people, the more they want to help you. Otherwise, it just seems the people know that you're not telling them everything. And so I think it's important just to lay it on the line. And it is the truth, right? I mean, I'll be, I mean, that, my book would be nothing if it weren't for the reviews. It just wouldn't. Got it. Okay. So what, I mean, you know, not a lot of people go out there and, uh, you know, publish a book. So what has publishing a book done for you? Well, it's a huge credibility point because when you start a business, and I can point to that as you know a milestone. People immediately take a look at it, especially because the book's done very well, right? And the great thing about a book is that if you're starting out and you don't have a business or you're not that well known, which that means most people who are starting a business, it's a credibility point, right? Even if you're CEO of a company, if it's a company people don't know, that's great, but it still doesn't matter because people don't know who you are. But if you have a book on Amazon that's doing well, it's a huge proof point for other people. Right. And so I think that's a real big credibility point. And then you can leverage that to not only get clients, but go on podcast shows, to go on, you know, any other media, do byline articles. I mean, there's a lot of things you can leverage it for. You have to have some credibility piece. Otherwise, it's really, really, really difficult. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I mean, when you, when you, when we first initially talked, you talked about your book. I think that was like, that was a selling point for sure. So yes. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, you, you talk about how to unlock the ultimate success through your relationship. So what do you mean by that? Well, if end of the day, everything in life we accomplish is with or through other people. I mean, no one is successful by themselves. Any business is selling to someone. So you have to have a very strong relationship with your clients and with your friends and everyone else. And ultimately, people will interact with you if your perceived value is high enough that they're interaction from, right? If they're getting enough out of that interaction, whether it's an emotional connection, whether it's personal, professional, whatever it is, people will interact with you if they think they're getting a lot of value out of it. So the important thing is when you start to meet people is you build rapport with people, which is finding common ground. You build likability and trust, and that's the three pillars. And the key thing is once you do that with an individual, you create intrigue where people want to follow up with you and get to know you. And if you do that properly, remember every person you meet, right? So Eric, you have a huge network behind you. So my interaction with you, I'm just not meeting you. I'm meeting everyone in your network. And that's extremely powerful. Now, if I build a relationship properly with you, you are actually going to be willing to help me and unlock your network for me, which is going to be a, would be a major asset, right? And it would be a major asset for anyone. So the important thing is when you start understanding that, you realize that every person you meet is really important. And if you start going to the right places, right? And so the best places to go to meet people who are social influencers, who are young professionals on the rise, or people that have a substantial amount of money, they go to two places all the time. One is charity events. Because that's where people go and they go to nonprofits, which are, you know, museum, symphony, opera, or other arts. That is where wealthy people and people are up on the rise go because that's just, it's one, it's a way to give back to people like the arts. And it's just a great way to network and meet with people that actually matter. And so, you know, that's an important place is finding places to go. And when you start combining all this and you give value to people, um, you know, pretty amazing things start to happen in your life and you open up some pretty incredible relationships. 
So what I'm hearing here is, you know, for someone that, that is trying to, to make it, don't go to maybe not so much, don't go to so many network events, but, you know, try these yeah. charity and nonprofit events. Right. Because here's the thing, you're going to networking events and a lot of the people going to network, network events are all about getting, they're all about trying to get right. And people will go to network event in the spirit of giving. It just doesn't happen. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are some people, but it, it also desperate people who are in the same place that you are, which is not a great place to be in. So you want to go to a place where that's not, that's not it. And so, you know, what you do is you go to a charity nonprofit. If you think about a relationship building, and I talk about the three pillars of it with rapport, likability, and trust, what you do with this really quickly is you can talk to someone and then immediately you might say, hey, how's it going? What's on your agenda? I love asking this question. It's what do you what are you passionate about? What products are you working on that you're passionate about? Because immediately at that point you find out what people actually care about and what their emotional attachments to. And everything in life is run on our emotions. Everything we do is about a feeling that we have. And so when you can tap into that, you are extremely in a powerful place. And when people tell you that, it could be business, it could be personal, right? At that point then that gives you a huge opportunity to find some common ground with them. And common ground with something that they absolutely love. And I'll give you an example. So I was out a, like a month ago, and I asked this to a woman I, I just met. And I was out actually not at any function. I was just hanging out with my friends. And she told me that she's involved in some cancer charities. And I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I am too. And my mom had leukemia and almost died. And I told her a really brief story about that. Well, next she told me, about the fact that her sister had breast cancer and she was tearing up and I gave her a hug and, you know, I cemented a relationship because then she grabbed me and introduced me to all her friends and said, you've got to meet this guy. He's an awesome guy. I've met like anyone like him in the longest time. Well, at that point, you've established a great relationship, right? And that's a key piece of it in building rapport. And then, you know, for likability, the key thing is listening and being an active listener. And what people do there wrong is they don't realize that nonverbal communication is 93% of communication. So if you're thinking about what you have to do tomorrow or you don't want to be there or you're thinking about the next question you want to ask, people can tell. And immediately that likability starts to go way down. And people in technology often are minds are racing and you have to quiet your mind and you actually have to pay attention. And I tell people one of the things easiest thing to do is start looking in people's eyes directly. Not you know for long, but it keeps you more present. And the last part of it is when you're building trust. And the easiest way to build trust with someone is to give and to give first. And so when you do that, it starts to build a real close relationship because the only people that give first in people's lives are people in their inner circle, people, their best friends, family members, business partner, you know, other people like that. And how you do that is after you ask them what they're passionate about, you ask, so what what challenges are you having around this? What help could you use? And then at that point, they tell you what they need, and then you can suggest a book, a resource, a contact. And even if you can't think of anything, you can just exchange contact information with them, and then you can follow up with them. And even if you can't find anything, if you just tell them that you did your best and you couldn't find anything, and I've done this before, people write back and say, I really appreciate it you know, that you actually took the time and actually did take the effort. And from there, it gives you a great entree to ask them a challenge you're having. And importantly, the second question behind the challenge you're having, you want to want to ask them because they might not have an answer for whatever problem or challenge you're having. But what they do have is a network behind them. And you can ask, well, who do you know that I should talk to, right? 
I didn't, I didn't say to him, do you have anyone? I said, who do you know, right? Because that was a leading question that immediately gets them in the frame to think of who do I have in my network, right? And so I skipped the do you have anyone, right, immediately. So I'm getting them and actually setting them up, and it's very effective because that way, at least if that person can't help you, they have someone that can. Right. Okay. Now – Tell us about you know I've I've read this I read this uh, online was a piece that you wrote um, about how to how you can find your business purpose and vision when you're lost. Can you talk about that? Right. So I think one of the things that really people get in a challenge in their life is is they need to understand that their purpose is an inward facing. Uh, like mantra. It's really who you are. And what people do is they mix up the business purpose and their mission statement. And so they think their purpose in life is to go be an entrepreneur that helps other people do X, Y, and Z, or come up with some solution or do something external to them, or they'll put it in their relationships. And what happened is everything external to you will eventually let you down. Nothing, everything will and what happens, and I have clients like this who come to me, and every single client like this, they're nose diving in their life because their purpose in their life is external to them and it's let them down. And now they're either going down and plummeting or they are flatlining and they are really bored and they're rudderless in their life. And so one of the things in finding it is you have to find your purpose internally. And the key thing about that is because then you're, you're in control of it. You actually are the person is powerful. And that's really helpful. And if you start looking about your purpose on top of that, about your emotional states, because what I found through myself and working with my coaches who are really well known is that you're, if you tap, in, tap into your top couple emotions and you can feed those and get those full, like a full glass of water, what happens is the rest of the emotions you have you feel at the highest levels. And when you don't get your top needs met and emotions, what happens is, is then the rest of your emotions don't get met either. And then you tend to get bored or not interested in what's going on. And a great example of this in my own life is my top emotions are connecting and belonging. So when I was working in corporate America as a marketing exec, you know, I was working with CEOs when I was on road shows, when I was working with analysts or media or bloggers or other influencers, I was excited. Like I was really pumped up but when I'm stuck in my you know, office pumping out PowerPoints or like documents till I was blue in the face, I started to get really bored and I felt really stuck. And so I realized you know, after a while when I came to this realization that that was why that job wasn't for me because it really wasn't feeding my emotional states and that wasn't really making me excited about my life. It was, I was always getting in these hills and valleys. And so it's really critical about that. Now, the second part of it is when you're really successful in life and you get to a point, a lot of reason that you got there is because of a lot of hard work, determination, perseverance. And yes, you were smart and intelligent and you found a business need in a hole. But when you've got to that point, the next level up, you can't do that. That's not the solution forward. The solution forward is going to be a combination of a couple of things. One is that you have to find your purpose and really tap into that. Second is you have to start cultivating what I consider or other people consider soft skills like relationship skills, influence skills, you know, charisma and leadership and really understand how to do that. And the third is really building out your network and really building out your relationships in a wide, diverse array. 
And I'd say the fourth one is really massive immersion and learning and really investing in yourself. And when those starts happening, you really can do some pretty incredible things. I have a client of mine who went to the TED conference and um, back in uh, March, and he killed it. He had never been to a conference like that, and he now has a Rolodex of 30 to 40 people. You know, he was talking to the CEO of you know, Apple, Tim Cook, emailing him. Um, you know, he just met Richard Branson last weekend, which is his childhood hero and in a private airfield in Wyoming. Right. And he's now been asked to go on the board of TEDx and reform all the TEDx's across because I gave him a plan when he went and he met the people that are running TED. And so when you start doing this and putting it together, stuff like that starts to happen in your life and you are extremely successful and doors open that you never thought were possible because a competition at the next level up is actually way easier because no one's doing what I just outlined at all. So you just stand out naturally and can build some pretty fantastic relationships really quickly. Got it. Okay. Let's, let's switch gears for a second. Let's talk about your business. Tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing it. Um, you know, ultimately I didn't have the right customer and I didn't really know that at the time. Well, what happened was, is I was, most of my clients last year, well, I had a lot of personal and, and self-development people that had business second. And what happened was at some point I would be moving so fast and they would be so successful that they'd have to end up catching up. And that would mean that my client would leave, right? I'd have a client maybe six months and they would end up leaving. And then I'd have turnover. And for me, starting and stopping my clients is, is a huge, um, it's a huge amount of time that I have to actually put in to get them where I want to get them to be optimized and really be able to start getting exponential results. People get it in the beginning, but over time, it's much easier for me because I have to spend less and less time with them and the value keeps going up because they're using the tools and the techno technologies and techniques that I'm working with them on. So last fall, I had a couple of clients who came to me were just business and they were high level executives. And it really took off. And so I've really changed over my customer base, complete, client base completely really to now only doing business clients. And I have a couple personal development clients that are people that I just had for a while. Um, but I'm really not taking on people who come to me like that. I just say it's not my business. So I think you just sometimes in this business, you have to actually just zig and zag and realize who is your client. Because now my business clients, I don't have any that leave will leave me. I mean, they're going to be here for a very long time because I've lost none in since October of last year. So it's pretty much for me, it's very sticky. So that's, you have to find your sticky clients that won't leave you. Right. But it's a lot of, I put a huge amount of value in my clients and they get so much value that there's no way that they could replace that. And a lot of that, some, a lot of that is monetary, but also, you know, there's, they're getting fulfilled in their life and they're feeling better than they've ever felt before. And that's even more valuable than the actual return on investment for the money side. What's your actual process for figuring out, you know, what your ideal client is? Well, really part of it, I thought initially it was that, because I, you know, that's where my clients came from, from a business before when I had a business partner. And I thought that was just going to be, you know, my ideal client. And it was, you know, men and women who were successful probably between the ages of, you know, late 20s into their early 50s. 
And I thought they were stuck in their life. And that was really my client, people who wanted to build better relationships in their life. And, you know, that's where a lot of my clients came from. And then when I, when I started to get the business client, I realized that there were come, people coming to me and the bigger opportunity was in business because people were stuck. They, they really were successful, but they didn't know how to get to the next step. And I realized because they were blocked in their life. And so that was really my, you know, my new target customer. And for me, you know, I know that if I get a higher level client, odds are, and I've seen this play itself out, they're much more motivated. They have more resources. And the competition at the top is so low that it's really easy for me to make a major impact really, really quickly. So it's been a combination of trial and error. It's been a combination of seeing where my clients are really stri striving and really getting the results sets over time. And it's helping me sort of dial in who I need as my client because it because I only can have so many coaching clients because you know, at some point my time's going to max out and I don't want to live my life, you know, coaching, you know, 40 hours a week of people every single week. And I want to get to developing products and I've got to have time to do that. I can't just be so stacked up. I don't have any other um, opportunities. Okay. What is one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? Invest in yourself. Because I've found that the, I've looked and found people that are financially successful and fulfilled. And the one thing that I have found, uh, well, many things, but one major thing was they all have mentors and they all pay for coaching and other, you know, other enhancements in their life as far as learning side. And I've talked to a ton of entrepreneurs and people I'm talking to on average are spending 10 to 20% of their income. You know, it gets a little bit lower percentage-wise when you're talking to people in the seven figures and above, but it's still very substantial because they shorten the learning curve, you get best practices, and you avoid the potholes, and it makes a massive difference in your life. Okay. What is one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone, aside from yours? Yes. Um, I've got a couple. So I would say... One, I love this business book called Give and Take by Adam Grant, and it's really how givers get ahead in business, and he has a ton of research, and he's you know, the youngest tenured professor at Wharton School of Business, and he's a, such a smart guy, and I met him before, and his book is brilliant. The second one is more of a self-help personal development book, but it's amazing. It's by an author, Brené Brown, who's done a, like one of the most widely watched TED Talks. Um, and her book is Gifts of Imperfection, and she has another book called Daring Greatly, and then another one I, that's come out right now. And both of those are great development books, but they're also helping you break out of your own shell and really open up and are more authentic and vulnerable in your communications, which ultimately in business is going to significantly help you get ahead no matter where, whether you're an entrepreneur or in a company. Awesome. Now, Jason, this was awesome. What is the best way for people to find you online? So they can go to beextraordinary.tv. That's beextraordinary, all one word, .tv. And if, you can also drop me a line at jason at beextraordinary.tv. And when you go to my website, there are downloads on how to build your brand, how to network, how to contact busy people. Um, I have all my social media channels are at the top of the page. You can connect with me on, and I have content on each of them that are different. So, and then I have a blog that I update every week. So, there you go. Awesome. Everyone, this is Jason Troy. Make sure to check out his best selling book, Social Wealth, on Amazon. 
Jason, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, thanks, Eric. I appreciate talking to you and your tribe. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S, to double three triple four, and you'll get the free resource. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.